your Bibles open to Philippians, book of Philippians, chapter 1. In a broad sense, we're still looking at what the Bible teaches about the church, right? And in Philippians 1, we saw a couple weeks ago that Paul speaks to the believers in Philippi, right, a Roman colony. In Philippians 1.27, he speaks to believers. He says, hey, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. We saw a couple weeks ago where he says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. We saw that the church, and he's referring to in Philippians 3, he's more direct. He says, your citizenship is in heaven. So a couple weeks ago, we saw, you know, when the church gathers this morning, again, maybe, maybe you thought of it, maybe you forgot, I don't know. But this morning, as you were going to church, how many of us said, wait, wait, I'm not just going to a building. I'm not just going to a service. I'm going to be sitting around, I'm going to be fellowshipping, I'm going to be shaking hands with, I'm going to be hugging fellow citizens of heaven. Well, yeah, that could be a woohoo, right? Right? It could radically change your reason for coming. It can radically change how you view the person next to you. So turn to the person next to you and smile because you're stuck together for a long time, right? Citizens of heaven. Right? So, so, again, just that little nugget from a couple of weeks ago. What is the church? It's the gathering of the citizens of heaven. Right? I mean, that, that, that in and of itself is so powerful. That can be so even energy-giving. It can change your enthusiasm level. Oh, man, are we going to church today? Oh, really? We've got to go through church? Right? I want to watch a football game. What are we going to do afterwards? Right? For some of us, it's just a filler. Right? But if you say, no, hey, let's go gather with the citizens of heaven. Let's go talk about what God's doing in their life. And I get a chance to share what God's doing in my life. Because here's the radical, crazy thing. We're all citizens of heaven. We're all children of God. And he's working in all our lives simultaneously. Right? Isn't that nuts? How many of you have a hard enough time taking care of yourself? And then you add kids in the mix and you're like, how does God do that? How can God simultaneously be 100% invested in our good all at the same time? Isn't that crazy? And part of that joy is when you get together, not only do you share your cares and concerns, but don't be afraid to share the blessings. Right? I don't know where we pick that up in the church. How was your week? Oh, brother. Let me tell you. Right? What, where did how was your week turn into share with me your trials and tribulations only? Right? How many of you today are blessed? Right? How many of you? God's doing some great things. Healing, forgiveness, provision. Right? How many of you blew it this week and received God's forgiveness for something? Right? So let's, let's be okay around here celebrating God. Amen? Right? He says, in your presence. Well, if we just walk around kind of like with the cloud. Right? We want to be known as the well. What is the well where people met Jesus? Life-giving water, right? It doesn't say, hey, come to the cloud. 
Where do you fellowship? The cloud. Well, what does that mean? Well, we just get around and we just console each other all the time with, with the... No, right? Amen. Right? We're at the well. What is the well about? Life-giving water. Living water. Right? None of us are perfect. All of us have our stuff. But let's be very careful how we view church, and let's be careful when the church gathers that it doesn't turn into sharing, you know. We, we joke, right? At a certain age, when you're, when you're with your friends, what do you tend to share? Your physical ailments. Anyone? Your physical ailments and what medication you're on or off that week. And you're like, man, we're old. We're old because all we're talking about is what hurts. And all we're celebrating now is what medication we're off. Right? But as a church, we can get there too. Right? And, and, and I know sometimes, you know, it's kind of tough because you had a really good week. And you're celebrating, and, 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 and someone shares that they didn't have such a good week. Well, I know you want to be sensitive, and that's good, right? And what God's doing in your life. Because here, let me encourage you. Through your sharing the testimony of God's blessing, someone will be encouraged. Because when you share how God is working in you, when you share how God answered the prayer, when, when you share how God took you through the valley, you never know that the person that you're speaking to might be in the middle of that valley. And they may say, really? Really? God still deals with that? Really? Well, if he did it for you. So in the sharing of the testimony of blessings and of answered prayers, you might just be giving hope. You might just be giving hope to someone who's wondering if God, you know, if somehow he got overlooked. No? Okay, so, so we gather where the citizens of heaven Right? He says, conduct yourselves, which means, hey, your conduct should match who you are. Right? Your conduct and creed, it's a balance. It's a, it's a scale. Let's just let them match. Just let them match. Last week, we looked at an example in Daniel. You don't have to turn there. It's like, okay, Daniel was taken and put in this hostile environment. Right? King Nebuchadnezzar. It's like, he had to make a, a really hard call. It's like, you know... They renamed me. They put me in their educational system. Now they're wanting me to eat food, and I just can't go there. I can't compromise on that one, you know. And we looked at, and how do we do that? How do we maneuver only be citizens of heaven, and we want our conduct to match our creed? We saw in that example that, yeah, some of these situations are going to be tough. Some of them are no-brainers, like, nope, can't do that. Like, it's not an issue because you've already settled that conviction. Others, whether it's at work or at home, sometimes the prayer will be, Lord, help me navigate this. I don't want to compromise my conviction, my scriptural belief, but I also want to try to be wise because I'm dealing with real people and there's real consequences. And so we saw that through Daniel last week. And, and we saw one help was this idea of holding fast, right? You don't have to turn there. It says in 2 Timothy, it says, What you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching. In the New King James, it says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words. Titus says, Hold firmly to the message, holding fast the faithful word. Right? 2 Thessalonians, it says, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings. Right? Keep a strong grip. And we said, If we're going to navigate culture, if we're going to be citizens of heaven where our creed matches our, 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 our citizenship, where our conduct, where our creed and conduct match, core to that is we have to hold fast. We're going to have to make a decision. We call it 
some say drive the stake in the ground. You got to hold fast, right? And, and I showed you a couple of, of visuals to help. We said giant kelp, right? And giant kelp, you've seen them tossed in the current, right? And sometimes in your life, there's currents. Sometimes it's still, and then sometimes you just feel. Anyone ever feel like this in culture? Right? We talked about last week, peer pressure isn't just for junior high and high schoolers. How many of you adults still feel peer pressure? Right? And sometimes you're like, ah, right? And you wonder, how come the kelp never moves, never moves, right? And we saw, go ahead, I. They're anchored. In this case, they're anchored to these big old rocks. Some of them are anchored to the ground. And I shared with you last week, and I love this, this part of a giant kelp is literally called, if you look it up, hold fast. So in Scripture, it says, hold fast to the teaching. God, which I love, says, hey, what does that mean? It means if we're going to not be swayed and moved, right? We've got to hold fast to his teaching. We've got to hold fast to his teaching, right? And we talked about the church, and if you were here, we talked about the sequoias and how their roots go out horizontally because we all need each other, okay? But this morning, I want to I I take this, and I want to kind of go one step uh, one step more to the core, because as we teaching, hold fast to doctrine, there's kind of, there's a potential danger there. There's a potential danger, uh, and, and my prayer for us is that, is that we would really understand that, that as we hold fast to the teaching, that ultimately that teaching is actually pointing us to someone, and we can't miss that. We can't miss that. Okay, so turn to John 5. We'll start with John 5. Why is this important? Because depending on how you're wired, depending on your church upbringing, when you hear the teaching hold fast to the teaching, you may inadvertently and with the best of intentions misapply that and think that, oh, oh, those guys at the well, Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship, Oh, they're just all about Scripture, and, and we are. We believe in Scripture. Come Tuesday nights, right? And, and they're all about doctrine, and we have to be sound doctrine, right? But, here's the big but in this. We hold fast to the teaching. We are committed to the Bible. We are committed to sound doctrine. I have to point them to Jesus. And that's where you can miss it. If you miss this, and you become more committed to the doctrine and teaching and not Jesus... You can, you can be sent down a path that actually takes you away from him. That actually turns your faith into academic. That turns your faith into actually works. And you're more committed to being right than being in relationship. You gotta get this. It's really important. Hold fast to the teaching, but don't let the teaching supersede Jesus. In fact, look what he says in John 5. He's speaking to religious leaders. John 5, verse 39. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them 
you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to who? Me to have life. He's speaking to the religious leaders, the scribes, and they're in the word of God. They are studying it, probably far greater and far more diligent than me or you. And yet Jesus says, hey, 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 time out, time out, time out. You're missing the point of your studying. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Everything we do around here, every time we open the Bible, everything we're, we're wanting, men's group, women's group, everything, children's, youth, we want people to come to Jesus. That's the end game. That's the most important piece. That's what everything in Scripture points to is a new covenant relationship with Jesus. That's our heartbeat around here is coming to a passionate relationship with Jesus, not just study for study's sake. Is it important to study Scripture? Is it important to have sound doctrine? Yes. But all of that is simply support around a solid relationship with Jesus. That's a, that's a pretty big check. Because then it goes to, wait a second. Okay, so, wow. Why do I come Tuesday night? Why do I read my Bible? Why do I have a quiet time? Why do I go to church? See, if, we do, if we're not clear on our, our ultimate purpose, which is to come to him, to have a passionate relationship with him, sometimes over time becomes preeminent. And then we forget why we were doing it. All we know in church is we're just supposed to do. Pastor says read. Okay, I read. Pastor says pray. Okay, I have a quiet time. Pastor says I should come to Tuesday night. Okay, God, go to... Why? Why? Right? And if we, if we lose... The, the, the personal nature of what it's all supposed to point to, your faith and my faith can just become drudgery. It can be dull. Where's the life? Right? Where's the life in that? When Jesus called his disciples, what did he say? Real simple. Follow me. Follow me. It was personal. Right? He says, come to me, all you who are Weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Come to me. So this morning, when you came to church, was it really just, is, is our time together part of your relationship with him? See, that's our heart here. Every time we gather corporately, I look out here and I understand there's a whole lot of individual relationships with Jesus. And we just want to be a part of what God is doing in your life. We want you to have this dynamic, passionate. Yes, we are holding fast to teaching here. Right? You remember in Revelation? Turn to Revelation chapter 2. Look at this church. This is even for us as a church. This, this keeps me pretty rooted and grounded as a church. Revelation 2. Revelation 2.1, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, 
These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. That's a solid church, isn't it? They're doing church pretty well. They're sound doctrinally. They're testing and calling out false teachers. They're enduring hardship. They do church pretty well. In fact, you and I would probably visit this church and go, we're in. They're solid. They do church really well. They're fundamental, right? They're pretty fundamental, right? So this real fundamental church gets called out. And what do they get called out for? Look, yet I hold this against you, love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the thing that you did at first. What happened? In the midst of focusing on being so right and doing it so right, Jesus comes and says, Woohoo! You missed the point. Me. You left your first love. You left your first love. And, and I love this as we go forward together as a church family because we never want to lose our first love. For some of you, that may mean coming to know Jesus for the first time and trying to figure out what does that mean to love God? Wow, right? Isn't that the first commandment? First and greatest commandment. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with your whole being. Right? So even Jesus says the first commandment is about relationship. It's about love. So this morning... As citizens of heaven, if you're honest, how are you doing in your relationship with Jesus? In your relationship with Jesus. Right? Put the scorecard away of of how faithful you've been in scripture reading. Put the scorecard away of how many quiet times you had. Put the scorecard away of how you're serving and how you're giving. put, Put the scorecards away. Just put the scorecards away. How are you doing? In your love as a citizen of heaven. As a Christian, the word Christian means belonging to Christ. So just as a believer, how are you doing when you strip away all the do's and all the check marks and all the lists? How are you doing in your love relationship with Jesus? Today. very powerful and and i was like lord how do we how do we come back to that help me to understand this thing help us to understand this so go back to philippians and look at chapter three and again the apostle paul he's going to be a great example for us in this area philippians three and i love the apostle paul because when i think about you and i think about us and and how many of us are wired think of the Apostle Paul. I think the Apostle Paul fits many of us and we resonate. Many of us in this room would resonate with the Apostle Paul. So he says this in Philippians 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Right? The theme of Philippians is joy. Rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God who glory in Christ Jesus, though I myself have reason for such hope. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. 
circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee as for zeal, persecuting the church as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Here's the thing. If you have been in the church or you've been walking with Jesus and you're like, yeah, what happened to my first love? Why does it seem like my faith is just kind of waning? Why does it just feel like it's doo-doo, drudgery? What's going on? How come I'm not as passionate as the Apostle Paul? I mean, if you read that, that is some passion. I count it all loss. The surpassing greatness. I want to know him. Where is that in my life? Where is that in my life? It may be. And I love the song that you guys did. I didn't even realize it. You moved away from the simplicity of the gospel. You moved away from the simplicity. And what do I mean by that? If you know the Apostle Paul, right? What was his name before he he met Jesus? Saul. And what was he doing? Persecuting the church, right? You don't have to turn there. Acts 8.3. Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. This is Saul who became Paul. Acts 9, if he found any there who belonged to the way, the way was how they referred to Christians, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So here's Saul, fully committed in his mind and in his upbringing to serving God. He was all in. Pharisee, right? He gives his credentials. He gives his resume in Philippians 1. Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, zealous, persecuting the church. He was doing it. He had a reputation, right? And then he meets Jesus in Acts 9. And he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now think about this. Here's Saul, for committed, all in, has a great reputation, as religious as religious can be, a Pharisee, Hebrew of Hebrews, has the right pedigree, persecuting the church, destroying families, putting Christians in church. He comes, meet Jesus, and says, I thought we were on the same team. You mean we're not on the same team? No, Saul, you've actually been persecuting me. Imagine. Imagine what that must have done. Are you kidding me? I thought I was doing everything right. No, you're persecuting me. And and in that moment, Saul, his world had to be rocked. His world had to be rocked. And then it became personal because he's in the deep. Right? And what's interesting, in Galatians, it says this. When God, when God who sent me apart from birth and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me, 
so that I may preach him among the Gentiles. I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately into Arabia. And he says, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem. You may not even be aware of this. Paul meets Jesus. And then he goes away for like three years. And many believe in those three years, he had to do some re, refiguring. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Imagine how much guilt, how much remorse, how much you got to be kidding me. He had the process. Imagine the reality of this. Not only was everything in the old covenant actually persecuting Jesus, he has to deal with every, all the families he hurt, all the people. He may have participated in their death. All of that. So for three years, Paul has to, let me get my bearings here. Let me get, let me get my bearings here. And I share that because for some of us who maybe have been in the church for a while, sometimes you got to stop and you got to get your bearings. You got to get your bearings. Meaning, why do you do what you do? Have, have you been wrong? We talked about in 2 Corinthians, remember? Pray for the thorn to be removed. Three, right? He thought the best thing was for it to be removed, but he was, he was wrong. The best thing in God's plan was that he become dependent on God's grace, right? We saw in the verse, God's ways are higher than ours. So sometimes... As we, as we are in the church and as we get used to doing church, here's the thing. We can inadvertently drift away from the simplicity of loving Jesus and then think that we're, everything we're doing is right. And we get focused on being right rather than relationship. And, and we're reminded through the, the apostle, oh, wait, no, shh. Let me, let, me, let me get my bearings here. Why am I doing this again? What's this about? Am I wrong? Have I been wrong? Right? Where, where do I go? Where do I go with this? And the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, he says, you know, all that stuff that I counted as gain, my reputation, my religion, all the, you know, he says, I count it now as what? Loss. Loss. And a lot of times in church, if we're not careful, we start to do a lot of things and that becomes the basis of our identity. That becomes the basis of our esteem in church gain. Right? Well, we built a house. Mark is now the house builder. And if we're not careful, we get a wall. And we put a picture of every house we build. Nothing wrong necessarily unless it becomes the source of our Look at us. Built 10 houses. Right? We go to Haiti. Right? See, if Mark is not careful, heading missions around here, it's his identity. His identity is no longer in Christ. It's Mark the mission. Mark the mission man. Right? Triple M, Mark the mission man. 
And everyone knows Mark, not as a brother in Christ, but hey, Mark, that's Mark. He heads up the mission. Ah. You're not careful if you're on this side leading worship. You're no longer at the core celebrating who you are in Christ. You're celebrating, I'm Shiloh the worship leader. I'm Vinny the worship leader. Right? You ever been to Chuck E. Cheese? Huh? Because it becomes our identity, and become real, we become really good at it, and we get affirmation. But a quarter in, is my identity tied up by being able to stand behind here? Am I Richie the pastor? Is that, is that my gig? Is that where I get lit? Is that my esteem? Or am I just Richie's brother in Christ who is called and placed here in God's grace? Right? There was a season uh, when I was a young believer, and I'm wired academically, performance, all this kind of stuff. So I got to be a believer, young believer. A lot of that world value system easily translates into hard work, effort, title, status, da, da, da. So I progressed early in the youth ranks, the youth ministry ranks. And then in God's providence, he set me aside. No, you need a break. And for a season, you know what I did? I answered service calls. Answered service calls for Geico. Sat in a little cubicle. Right? Had my little screen. Had one of these right here. Tied to a little box on the wall. And when your shift starts, you plug into the box. And you just wait. And the calls just come. Right? It was just service policy. I still know the, the jingle and I know, still know how to say it. But you want to know what the biggest challenge was? I went from being in ministry answering calls and now I look back I'm like why was I doing what I was doing what was the true motive was I really starting to kind of get a big head and eh, look at me you know da, 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 I serve at that church da, 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 da. it was gain the serving was the gain and God's like no why don't you just sit on the sidelines and think about it for a little bit because I had to come back to you know what no it's in knowing Christ it's a love relationship with Jesus, and out of that flows all of this. Amen? That's what we got to do. That's, that's what we're about here. But it's so subtle, and it's so easy to get caught up into doing this. Ladies, great barbecue and potluck. Amen? Celebrate. Come on now. 40 plus, great grilling, whoever grilled. I have heard fabulous reports. Gaming, great games, just fabulous. What are you going to do better? How are you going to top that? See? Ah, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Because in church, that was just born out of heart for love for Jesus, love for each other. If you're not careful that fast, well, we got to do it better next time. Right? Now we got to do it better. How are we going to top it? And suddenly, our esteem, right, what's gained to us is how we do things bigger, better, better. Right? I was at a wonderful big carnival. We brought in elephants, for crying out loud. <laughs> Nothing wrong with elephants, except when you got to ask, how do we outdo elephants? Because if you're not careful, right, 
I love the Apostle Paul. All those things that were gained, all my religiosity, all my reputation, my pedigree, where I come from, I count it all as loss just because I want to know Jesus. And I'm good with that. I'm good with that. And here, my heart for you, my heart for me, in the tension of, of how we do things, I want you to be good with knowing Jesus. I really do. Our heartbeat here is that you would passionately follow Jesus. Just love him. And I believe that if you're loving him and you're following him, he's going to direct you to a ministry around here. Right? It's, you know, it's so funny because sometimes in the church we get so scared. Oh, here comes Pastor Richie. And Pastor Richie asked me if I could do this. And, you know, and then you try to read me. Was he asking or telling If I asked you if you'd be interested around here, I only want you to seek the Lord. And out of your love relationship with him, if he puts it on your heart, then let me know. If he directs you to another ministry, praise the Lord. That's where you need to be. I just ask the questions. I just try to keep us all on track in a broad sense, okay? So as we move forward, we're going to hold fast to teaching, but honestly, guys, hold fast to Jesus. Because that's what the scripture and teachings are pointing to, to him. Hold fast to Jesus, first and foremost. And that might mean, that honestly might mean, taking some time like the Apostle Paul and go, whoa, 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 let me get my bearings here. Let me get, let me get my bearings. Because if you've been in church for any length of time, you have brought stuff with you. Expectations, assumptions. Right? Good experiences, bad experiences. You have brought them with you. And sometimes you bring them and they're so taken for granted, they're so underlying the surface, you don't even know you have them until something happens and there's a flare out. You're like, oh man, I didn't know why that bugged me so much. Well, it kind of bugs you maybe because you had this assumption, right? Sometimes you just need to sit down and go, oh Lord, let me, let me take some time here. Paul took three years. <laughs> Paul took three years to, to kind of... Let me get my bearings. Okay? It's been a six-year journey. And there's been healing, and there's been relationship, and there's been restoration. And now God is saying, we've got to go forward. So I understand the healing process can take time. I get that. But first and foremost around here, we want you to know. Hold fast to Jesus. Hold fast to him. Does he do a lot around here? Sure, just look at the bulletin for crying out loud. There's a lot happening. But our esteem, let me tell you, our esteem, the basis of this church family, where we get lit, where we get excited, first and foremost, will always be our love for the Lord. It's a love relationship. Sure, we're committed to Scripture. Sure, it's non-negotiable. Good. But so is Jesus. And that's where we are. That's where we are. So, so I, I want to encourage you. You may need to just as we as we continue moving together as a church family, just take some take some time. <sighs> Lord, are there things that I have been putting up on my gain column? Because what he's talking about, gain and loss, it's a T chart if you're into accounting and bookkeeping, right? He says, I had all this stuff on the gain side, on the asset side, 
loss side. And the only thing on the gain side is Jesus. That's what he's talking about. He's, it's an accounting illustration. That's what he's talking about. Now, all that stuff that I was banking on, my reputation, my works, all of that, eh, that's all loss. I used to lean on that. I used to walk in here as Mark the mission man. And everyone would ask me, when's Haiti? And everyone would pat me on the back about Mexico. And I started over time to kind of, I've seen you. No, I'm just kidding, you know. And I only do that because he's like my big brother, so I can do that to him. Right? If we're not careful, amen? And he'll be the first one to amen that. If we're not careful, we can start to Jesus plus mission. Jesus plus, Jesus plus, Jesus plus, or, or what we're adding to the game. No. The Apostle Paul says, all that stuff, <clears throat> just Jesus. And I want to know him. I want to know him. That's what gets me. Right? But how do we get that joy? How do we get that passion? You got you to deal with this. Nothing you or I do. You didn't do anything to earn it, and you don't do anything to keep it. It's all grace. What do you mean? Read Galatians. The whole book of Galatians is addressed to believers who started by faith. Some people got in their head, said faith is not enough. You need to be doing stuff. And the apostle Paul's like, what are you doing? Are you so foolish? Having begun by faith, now you're into the flesh because you have to add to faith? so easily in 2017 it's jesus plus it's faith plus well oh no you want your joy to come back in your seat right now take a deep breath and go it's grace it's grace when you grasp grace when you understand your name wasn't written in the book of life, but as through faith, your name is written in the book of life as you sit here, and you did nothing to earn that, and you do nothing to keep that, there's got to be a smile somewhere. There's got to be freedom somewhere. You ever want to, did you ever have this, if it's your wife, your kids, your dog, your pet, you ever want to just do something for somebody because you love them? Right? You weren't trying to earn anything. You, weren't, you just felt this great love. And you're like, you just go. Anyone ever just been, you're like, so-and-so would love this. Uh, uh, an impromptu shopping. You're like out there, like, so-and-so would love this. You love them and you just like, that's serving in the church. Out of a love for Jesus, you go do something for him. Right? You just do it. Just go, just do it. If Mark, if Mark, if I sensed Mark was hanging his hat on Mark, the mission man around here, I have a relationship with him, and I would say, Mark, you need to take a break. You need to go answer calls at Geico. (laughs) For his well-being. Till he got the joy of the Lord back. Till he understood he could just relish and, and, and savor and enjoy God. By grace. Amen? That's what we're about. It's attention. It's attention we all have because in our culture we're very performance. 
right? We get pats on the back for what we do, what we accomplish, even around here, right? More kids. You're all, no. Around here, first and foremost, we just want you to passionately love Jesus. If you do that, the trickle down and the fallout into your marriages, into how you raise your kids, into how you handle yourself at work, into what you do around here, it, can we flip it? Just love Jesus. Be free. So go back to salvation. When was the last time for you, church veteranos, that you just enjoyed being saved? Oh, that's right, I am. Huh? Because your churchdom got caught up in serving or doing. When was the last time you said, I'm saved? I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. When was the last time you just celebrated being saved? Come on. Don't ever lose that. Don't ever lose that. And I don't want us to ever lose that as a church. It's just perspective. It's perspective. I love this story, and then Bill's going to come up and, and lead us into communion. It says this. The airline had mangled Debbie's luggage. Then her purse disappeared. Instead of entering the airport through an enclosed corridor, she stumbled off the plane in the pouring rain. She was drenched. Far from home with no money, no identification, no dry clothes. Under normal conditions, Debbie, but that night, it didn't matter. She had just survived the crash of Flight 1420 in Little Rock, Arkansas. Quote, when I walked off that plane, Debbie said, I walked off with nothing. Then I stopped and thought, I have everything. She had suddenly realized that her life was more important than all she had. When you come back to the simplicity of Jesus, that you have life, you're willing to give it all up. You, everything we hang our hat on in this culture, you will gladly move to the lost because you have life. You have life. You've been born again. You're a child of God. You have the mind of Christ. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You're a new creation. And it's all by grace. Isn't that awesome? All by grace. And so when you sit back and you go, oh, wait, wait, wait. I have life in Christ. What else matters? What are you holding on to so tight? And maybe God this morning is like, move it over to the lost, Carmen. Just move it over. Might even be good just the simplicity of Jesus. Move it to the lost, Carmen. Why? Because your name is written in heaven. You're a citizen of heaven. You're a child of God. You're a new creation. And God loves you. And you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You know what that means? He likes you. You're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. That means when he sees you positionally, he's smiling at you. Turn to the person next to you and say, he likes you. See, some of you have a hard time with that. You're struggling. Right?
right? You ever had that moment where you say to someone, I love you, but I don't like you right now? I love you because I have to, but I don't like you right now. Here's the crazy thing. God loves you and likes you because you're clothed in the righteousness of his son. We're the ones that get all bent and tripped out and confused. And he just says, I love you. Has nothing to do with. Has nothing to do with how many houses you build. I love you because you're my child and you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for reminding us that scripture really points us to a new covenant relationship with Jesus. And yet in church, sometimes it's so challenging because so many other good things might even get in the way. So like the Apostle Paul, maybe this morning it's been a time to say, whoa, 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 have I been wrong? Whoa, 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 what what have I been hanging my hat on? And maybe it's just time to reassess and come back to the simplicity of salvation by grace through faith in the Son of Jesus, who we are today.